1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in just a moment, but first, breaking news off the top. And crews are on the scene of a multi vehicle crash in downtown Vancouver.
1: Yeah, the crash was at the intersection of Richard Street and West Pender this afternoon. A number of emergency vehicles and police responded to a scene that is still scattered with debris. From what We can tell at least four cars were involved with one person being pulled from a vehicle, a white Toyota, and that vehicle was an Uber. They had to use the jaws of life. That person was taken away on a stretcher. Emergency services says two people were transported to hospital, one in serious condition. The other is in stable condition. Some witnesses have indicated speed might have been a factor in the crash. Or it just the one you were... No, I just heard the one crash.
3: Um, it, it kind of all was one crash and together got like, boom. So I don't know if there was a multiple crashes, but it sounded like he just hit one and bounced him off. This one
4: car is over there, another, this car is over there, another car over there. They were so fast, you cannot focus.
1: Global News has reached out to Vancouver Police and will update you with more information as soon as it becomes available all right now a boat fire in false creek is exposing flaws in the way vancouver's waterfront is managed
2: one person was hurt in the latest in a long string of incidents involving vessels anchored in that waterway for more we'll bring in our cassidy moscone on the south side of false creek for us this evening uh, cassidy cleaning up that stretch would be quite a convoluted process
5: it would be Sophie. I mean, it was even a bit of a dance being thrown between all of the different government agencies we needed to contact just to file this story. There are a lot of pieces to this puzzle and it does not seem to be changing anytime soon. Derelict boats stolted along the water, vessels acting as floating homes. It's a familiar sight for False Creek. But Thursday night, things got fiery.
6: Three vessels fully involved, heavy smoking flames coming from both the bigger vessels. There was a report that there was still someone on board, so that was a concern right away. But we found out soon there was not. There was just the two involved.
5: One man seriously injured.
6: He had uh, pretty severe burns. He was taken to VGH by BC Ambulance basically immediately when they arrived on scene.
5: By morning, f- the vessel, now a nautical hazard leaving everyone wanting to know who cleans up the mess. It's
6: frowned upon to anchor in the creek and in the harbour. It's one of those areas that whose jurisdiction is it and what are we going to do about it?
5: Responsibility of False Creek's waters isn't straightforward. It's shared between Transport Canada, the Coast Guard, the City of Vancouver, including Vancouver Police Department and the Vancouver Parks Board. They're managed by five different government agencies, yet they're still here illegally more. What do you think about that?
0: It's crazy. (laughs) But that's the way it is. It needs to be cleaned up in some way. Obviously, it's complicated.
6: Federal law does prohibit it. We, you know, they're not supposed to be anchored there, um, but it's, it's 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 kind of a weird jurisdiction because not everyone is wanting to police that, especially federally, provincially, or municipal.
7: There's an affordable housing problem in the city, and there are a number of people who are using boats in False Creek as a means of uh, affordable housing. We're really reluctant to take enforcement action that's going to further marginalise people who are really just one step away from being homeless.
5: Authorities patrolling the waterways with what power no one seems to know. New statistics from Transport Canada out today. The agency told me anywhere from 60 to 100 derelict vessels are pulled from British Columbian waterways on a typical year. Since fall last year, 30 of them were here in False Creek. And from about April until now, 64 derelict vessels in total have been pulled from BC waters. Chris and Sophie.
2: All right, thanks for that. Cassidy Moscone reporting live on False Creek tonight. Health Minister Adrian Dix met with staff at Surrey Memorial Hospital today on the eve of a planned health care rally demanding better services for what is the second largest city in the province. As Travis Prasad reports, the minister is trying to head off the criticism, highlighting the progress government has made improving health care in Surrey.
7: It's been three months since the province committed to working with health care professionals to improve health services in Surrey. We've made, I think... Uh, significant progress uh, here working together but there's a
8: lot always and there is a lot more work to do.
7: In June Health Minister Adrian Dix promised to expand care at Surrey Memorial Hospital 30 short and medium-term actions that include opening up more spaces to meet demand for renal services more beds and staffing in neonatal intensive care and boosting capacity at urgent care centers to ease pressure at emergency.
8: Our health care professionals here in Surrey and elsewhere are doing some exceptional work in the, and what we said by working with them here at the hospital we wanted to do to respond to uh, what, what was needed in Surrey, we're
7: doing. But some physicians are still sounding the alarm. I've worked at Surrey Memorial Hospital for the past 10 years in the emergency department. Dr. Randeep Gill says health services continue to be underfunded compared to Vancouver. The illest
9: children and the sickest adults need to be transferred out of Surrey Memorial Hospital for a higher level of care because we do not have the life-saving interventions here locally and south of the Fraser.
7: In May, physicians and other staff at Surrey Memorial wrote several open letters to the province and Fraser Health calling it a hospital in crisis with inadequate staffing and treatment leading in some cases to patients dying.
8: How do you improve that situation in Surrey? Adding UPCCs, adding primary care networks, adding services at Surrey Memorial Hospital, adding a second hospital, adding more long-term care beds. That's how you, resol- you re- re- resolve uh, That issue and provide adequate care to the people of Surrey. That's what we're doing.
9: Lack of proactive planning and chronic underinvestment in our city.
7: Gill and other healthcare practitioners will hold a rally on Saturday at Surrey City Hall, demanding immediate and lasting change for patients south of the Fraser. Travis Prasad, Global News.
1: Meanwhile, there are capacity concerns at hospitals across the province as we approach respiratory illness season. For more, we'll bring in our Keith Baldry from Victoria. Keith, what's the current situation at hospitals?
10: Yeah, quite startling. Before he began his presentation on what's going on in Surrey, Minister Dix provided statistics for the entire province, and shows that this is the time of year that historically we don't have a huge number of people in hospital. It's that respiratory illness season kicks in that puts people in hospital. But what we're seeing right now is an historic first: more people are in hospital this time of year than ever before. So here's how some of the numbers break down in terms of hospital beds occupied. More than 9,700 people are in hospital right now. That is about a thousand higher than what it should be. About a 95. occupancy rate of base beds. We're not talking surge beds, but base beds. But through the entire province, just 414 vacant base beds around B.C. How does it break down by hospital? Take a look at the situation some of the major hospitals in Metro Vancouver. There are no vacant base beds in Lionsgate, Richmond, Vancouver General or Surrey Memorial and just five vacant base beds in St. Paul's. Now all these hospitals have a total of several hundred surge beds but they only come into play once all the base beds are, are taken up. So surge beds can find patients in hallways, closets, those types of things. So again, we're at a situation now that we usually associate with respiratory illness season. Mr. Dix today disclosing this situation actually existed back in July and August when our hospitals were supposed to be relatively low in terms of bed population. Here's the minister.
8: We saw throughout uh, July and August um, really respiratory illness uh, season levels of uh, hospital patients and hospitals everywhere in BC and you feel this everywhere. So there was no dip below 9,000 patients that often occurs in July and August.
10: So why is this happening? We've got it first of all there's a ...population increase, so the utilization increase on a percentage basis is going to go up. Our population is aging fairly quickly. The older you are, the more likely you are to go into hospital with some illnesses. Uh, but what's worrisome, Chris and Sophie, is that now we're about to go into respiratory illness season in the fall and winter. We could be over capacity very quickly. And that's why you're going to see a real uh, big push in October, starting in October for a new vaccination campaign regarding COVID boosters rsv vaccine and the flu vaccine and one final note talking officials today don't be surprised if we see the mass mandate come back to health care facilities sometime in the fall and winter because we expect to have a lot of illness in bc's hospitals
1: let's not forget about washing hands either which is critically important all right keith all right. thanks very much for that
2: now, a souk man waiting for surgery is another example of delayed health care causing pain for patients. He needs a hip replacement, but as Kylie Stanton shows us, closed operating rooms at island hospitals mean he may have to wait nearly a year.
8: It extends all the way down the thigh to the knee.
2: The pain
11: is constant. Every step, a nagging reminder.
8: Basically bone on bone, it's like, it's like a raw nerve.
11: For about a year now, Jay Hammond has been suffering like this as he waits on a hip replacement. But he says he's just learned it won't be happening anytime soon.
8: I was told that there were hundreds of of surgeries waiting to be done. And as to whether it's years or not, only time will tell.
11: Rebalance MD, an orthopedic and physiotherapy clinic in Victoria, sent a notice to patients scheduled for surgery, saying it had been informed of significant OR closures in the coming months, writing a direct result of surgical staffing shortages in the hospital setting.
12: Hearing these uh, the patient stories and the impacts that these OR closures and cancellations have had on them is. Uh, It's meaningful and uh, we stop short of making promises but uh, we do commit to getting them rebooked as soon as we can.
11: According to Island Health, between Royal Jubilee and Victoria General Hospital, only 18 of the 22 ORs are up and running. The last time all were fully in use was September of last year.
4: We just don't have enough perioperative nurses and nurses who work in the post anesthetic care unit. To go up to our normal numbers,
11: while the health ministry acknowledges closures are not ideal, statistics show operating room hours are actually up.
8: We set records for surgery in the month of August in BC, and the demand for surgery grows as well. Right. So, um, the short answer is we're working with our doctors, with Island Health, to address those specific problems, because when you need surgery, uh, that's the priority in your life. Uh-huh.
11: Hammond knows this all too well. His surgery now not just a priority, but a lifeline.
8: These are supposed to be the good years, and uh, right now they're not quite so good. Somewhere, somehow, there must be some solution.
11: Kylie Stanton, Global
1: News. Just ahead, falling through the cracks.
11: I could
4: not understand what was going on.
1: The systemic failures that contributed to this troubled senior losing her home and ending up on the streets of the downtown east side. That's next on the News Hour. It's been a dire situation last uh, fall, and uh, we're looking at uh, something similar,
8: I fear, this year.
1: Water crisis on the Sunshine Coast. What residents can expect with harsh new restrictions to preserve supply later on the news hour.
2: Plus, the South Coast community going round and round about roundabouts. Why it's pulling a traffic feature that's supposed to be safer.
1: Right now, though, a longtime downtown Eastside resident is living rough on the streets across from the building she once called home, evicted for not paying rent.
2: As Paul Johnson reports tonight, she fell through the cracks of a system. THAT WAS SUPPOSED TO HAVE HELPED HER.
0: IF YOU SPEND ANY TIME IN THE DOWNTOWN EAST SIDE, YOU KNOW THERE ARE A MULTITUDE OF WAYS TO END UP HOMELESS. BARBARA Dennis LANDED BACK ON THE STREETS THIS SUMMER. THE RESULT, SHE SAYS, OF FALLING THROUGH A CRACK IN GOVERNMENT PROGRAMS.
13: I'D BE, be GOING ON TWO MONTHS NOW.
0: Dennis's CURRENT HOME IS THIS TENT ON Carroll STREET. BUT FOR THE LAST 14 YEARS, SHE SAYS SHE HAD A PLACE ACROSS THE STREET in a building run by the Portland Hotel Society. Everything was fine until she turned 65 and had to switch from having her rent come out of provincial social assistance to getting it out of federal pension checks. That involved new paperwork. She says she asked for help.
4: I don't know what to do, I don't know what this is, help me. I don't know how to read or write. I only know it's got something to do with old age, I seen it.
0: Where her rent had previously been direct deposited, she says after 65, she had to sort out her federal benefits, then get her rent from the bank and pay it herself. The reason still unclear. That apparently didn't work out. She says, leading to eviction. Did they ever tell you how much back rent you was owed?
13: On these papers, I seen the price, but I what was it? One was for three thousand seven hundred. Hi, uh, is this Portland Hotel?
0: We went to the Portland Hotel Society for their side of the story. They said they can't comment on individual cases, but confirmed that, at age 65, arrangements have to be made to transition to federal support, and that, in most cases, that happens smoothly. The province also told us they have resources available for helping people like Dennis. Hey, hi. But as of Friday, The only people who'd sprung into action were the staff of MP Jenny Kwan, coming to her tent to help her on the path to getting housed. Kwan told Global News this kind of snafu is well-known and totally unacceptable saying the liberal government fails to provide the support to ensure seniors get their federal pensions, income benefits, and entitlements. While Dennis admits she's not blameless in all of this, long story has landed her here, an elderly woman of indigenous descent with no housing and the time of life when she needs it most.
5: Hadn't had a nice meal, hadn't had a nice shower. These people here gave me clean clothes to put on.
0: In the downtown east side, Paul Johnson, Global News.
2: Well, it's been one year since the Vancouver delegation traveled south of the border to San Francisco to find a way to rejuvenate the city's Chinatown.
1: As Kristen Robinson reports, there appears to have been some progress, although some issues are proving harder to resolve.
13: As lanterns go up for this weekend's light-up event... Businesses in Chinatown are cautiously optimistic. I'd say
6: things are generally kind of getting better, but obviously you still have like your good days, your bad days.
13: This is what Columbia at Pender looked like before the brick wall was scrubbed of graffiti. The downtown east side's complex social issues still spilling over.
6: In the 16-block radius we have here, we have 35,000 people that live here.
13: One year after a delegation of Vancouver police and business leaders returned from San Francisco hoping to build on the vibrancy of the oldest Chinatown in North America.
12: The biggest change is that uh, we've got a really positive vibe in the neighbourhood. There's a real sense of relief that, uh, that the council has taken on Chinatown. The whole of community have stepped up.
13: VPD Deputy Chief Constable Howard Chow says community engagement is now driving Chinatown's direction, supported by city council and different levels of government. Police trying to connect with businesses, some of which have followed San Francisco in adopting a WhatsApp chat group for an added sense of safety and security.
6: Being able to call on a neighbour, like if uh, somebody that's kind of unwanted in your store, has so definitely helped, especially when either the Chinatown security guard can't come in time or like, you know, police presence,
14: is not quite a 911 call.
13: While there are more people on the streets, police say anti-Asian hate is a lingering issue.
14: You still have residents down here that feel they're still being targeted. It's when the hate graffiti appears in Chinatown and it's scrawled all over somebody's private business, that's where the problems lie. I think
6: we're all kind of banding together and trying to build up the community again.
13: A community often divided, coming together to conquer. This new mural off East Georgia Street, part of a laneway activation project led by the Bagua Artist Association, the Fishes of Saltwater City, was designed by artists from the Indigenous, Chinese, Downtown Eastside and Hogan's Alley communities. The message, in the end, fish can swim in the same body of water.
15: We are in fact um,
11: facing the similar struggles and coming together and working together to
7: show this collective power. Hope this mural can help to restore vibrancy to the community.
13: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
12: Up next, stealthy bike thieves. This isn't the first time it's happened.
1: A victim frustrated there seems to be absolutely nothing to stop them from stealing.
2: But first, investigators need help to solve the stranger assaults on a popular trail in Coquitlam.
14: Traffic is both ways over here at the Patello Bridge this evening, but do keep in mind there will be intermittent lane closures
2: all weekend long for construction. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $12 million. Lotto Max Dream to the Max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge.
1: A Vancouver police officer has been charged under the Motor Vehicle Act in connection with a collision involving a pedestrian on the downtown east side nearly a year ago
2: it was caught on surveillance video just after 3 a.m of september 20th last year a man is bent over in the middle of east hastings when he's struck by a police cruiser in the 30 kilometer an hour zone the cruiser had no lights or sirens on and the crash left the pedestrian with serious injuries the bc prosecution service now says vpd constable jack zhao has been charged with three offenses including driving without due care and attention. Vancouver police says Zhao continues to be a serving member of the force, and the department has no comment beyond that.
1: Coquitlam RCMP are seeking more witnesses who intervened in a terrifying stranger attack near Hoy Creek Trail. Officers responded to an assault in progress near Glen Drive and Johnson Street just before 8 p.m. on Thursday. Police say a man emerged from the bushes and attacked a woman walking alone. She screamed and a number of people came to her aid. She sustained minor injuries. Police were able to locate and arrest the suspect who had fled to a nearby store.
12: The purpose of asking for additional witnesses um, and video is to capture the before of the incident as well as the after. Um, Right now, we have a very clear picture of the during and the after, and we're looking to firm up what may have led up to this assault.
1: The suspect is known to police and is being held in custody pending his next court date. Anyone who witnessed the assault and has not yet spoken to investigators is asked to reach out to the Coquitlam RCMP.
2: Our CMP are investigating the vandalism of Pride Crosswalks in Richmond and are asking for your help to identify four suspects. Take a look at these photos from an August 2nd incident at a high school. The suspects wore dark clothing and had their faces covered, but there are some clues that could give them away. The first suspect had black and white shoes and a Vans backpack with gold lettering. The second suspect wore a white face mask. The third had a two-tone jacket and something red on the side of his backpack. And the fourth suspect wore a black and white Mickey Mouse jersey. Richmond RCMP say nine Pride crosswalks were vandalized with graffiti last month.
11: Any time a specific group is targeted, it can undermine their sense of safety within our community. And in this case, it's our LGBTQ2S plus community. We are doing everything we can to identify the individuals involved in these alleged mischiefs, and we need the public's help.
2: If you think you know who the suspects are, you are asked to call Richmond RCMP. A Port Coquitlam
1: man says heavy-duty locks and a high-tech video surveillance system proved no match for a determined and apparently very skillful bike thieves.
2: And he's now lost three expensive mountain bikes to the crooks. As Krista Dow reports, he's frustrated that despite handing over high-quality images of the thieves to police, nothing can be done.
12: When he comes back with his friend and, and they're wearing their big, you know, Mario mustaches.
16: It's not exactly the most original of disguises.
12: I guess that's enough to throw the police in a loop.
16: But the thefts captured on video show a calm and calculated crime, with the crooks successful in cutting locks and burning through straps.
12: These guys were very prepared. They kind of knew what they were doing. They knew how to avoid what they thought were the only cameras.
16: Adrian Smith says he installed surveillance cameras last year after his high-end mountain bike was stolen from his gated backyard. Then last month, two bikes were boosted just hours before a family vacation. Despite being double locked to a jet ski trailer,
12: just frustrating when there's nothing you can do about it. It'd be nice to see the police step in and break up those obvious hubs. Great little commuter bike.
16: This Vancouver bike shop owner has heard countless stories about high-end bike thefts. He says there's a huge market for them and thieves are only getting craftier.
9: In the old days you needed an $80 lock, now you need a $200 lock. Also making your bike less desirable to steal. If it's an e-bike, don't leave the battery in it, sometimes taking the seat away. Our bikes are designed to blend in with any other bike.
16: Bike thefts rampant across Metro Vancouver. New Westminster Police just launching a program to combat thefts with fully trackable bait bikes. What
9: we're hoping to do here is not only prosecute and catch those bike thieves that are out there stealing bikes throughout our city, but deter them from doing that.
16: Back in Port Coquitlam, RCMP say they are still investigating the thefts and believe the suspects are linked to a string of other offences.
12: I guess I'm going to have to get some, some chains or something. I don't know how to tie down my stuff anymore.
16: Krista Dow, Global News.
2: Up next, removing roundabouts... Connectivity, accessibility, and safe flow is, is paramount for the city of Pitt Meadows. The BC municipality bucking the trend, believing it's safer to go back to controlled intersections. Also,
1: tonight, why you shouldn't throw out those COVID rapid tests yet, even if they're expired.
16: It's a slow go for southbound. semi here with a truck on
2: scene in the left lane. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac cares for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services and that's no accident. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One high above a stalled semi on Highway 99 in Richmond.
1: All over BC roundabouts are replacing conventional intersections. They're considered safer and more efficient but apparently not in Pitt Meadows.
2: There, the city is removing a couple of roundabouts. Janet Brown went to investigate why. Two-thirds of locals
4: want to walk or roll or cycle, but they're held back by safety concerns.
15: In Pitt Meadows, two roundabouts have been removed on Airport Way at Bonson and Harris Roads, with traffic lights installed instead in hopes of making the route safer. It was determined for all user safety, uh, primarily pedestrians and cyclists, as well as the combination of uh, vehicles, residential and commercial. It was the safest way forward. The roundabout removal stemmed from a study and traffic assessment carried out in 2016. Over the past few years, there has been a number of accidents. We've sadly even had a fatality at one of our roundabouts, and it was deemed safest for uh, pedestrians and uh, cyclists. Ridge Meadows RCMP say between 2018 and 2022, there were 31 collisions at Airport Way and Harris Road and 27 crashes at Airport Way and Bonson Road. When you have a truck route, commercial users, vehicles, pedestrian, residential, you need to make the right and safest choice for that. The mayor says TransLink is studying two other roundabouts at the north end of Golden Ears Bridge, not far from the start of Airport Way. A lot of traffic coming into this roundabout. Whoops, did you see him? Yep, okay, thank you. ICBC has produced a video showing drivers how to use roundabouts. Slow down as you approach and yield to any pedestrians and cyclists. And they say roundabouts improve safety for pedestrians and cyclists, improve traffic flow and can even reduce greenhouse gas emissions, reduce serious crashes, injuries and fatalities because they eliminate the chance of a head-on crash involving a left turn. If you are going to keep them as roundabouts, ensure that active transportation users are protected. Whether Airport Way will be safer without the roundabouts, time will tell. Janet Brown global news. Well, as we head into respiratory virus
2: season, health experts are urging people to keep COVID-19 rapid tests on hand, even if they're expired. That's because there is now a limited supply. Earlier this year, the federal government ended new shipments of rapid antigen tests to provinces and territories because the regions had enough supply. But many of those tests expired this year. And the rest expire within two years. Health Canada is now extending the expiry dates of some of those brands, saying they can be used beyond the date on the box. Still, there are concerns about the accuracy of those tests.
9: The challenge we had when Omicron emerged was that the tests became what we call less sensitive. When they're less sensitive, it means they can be negative when you actually have the disease. So that you have false negativity.
2: Doctors say one way to improve the accuracy of the tests is to perform them repeatedly over the course of three consecutive days.
1: Coming up in sports, the next big step for Connor Bedard. It's hard to actually grasp everything that's happened. An interview with Tom Bedard as his son settles into the realities of life as the NHL's top draft pick.
2: Plus, drying up on the Sunshine Coast and how the community is dealing with its water crisis. In the face of increasingly dire drought conditions, more than 20,000 Sunshine Coast residents are now under strict Stage 4 water restrictions.
1: All outdoor water use is prohibited and for a third straight year, businesses and homeowners are bracing for the impact. Erin MacArthur reports.
14: Greens just starting to sprout from another planting at Grounded Acres Organic Farm on the Sunshine Coast. The commercial operation has a two-week grace period to keep watering this crop. But after that, the taps are shut off. Once the stored water is gone, these crops might not get to market. The third year in a row dealing with another stage four water restriction.
13: Every year we think we have found like the solution that's going to bring us there. But the reality is climate change is not getting any better. So the solutions are just band-aids. They're temporary and they get being ripped off every single year.
14: Despite the severity of the drought, the restrictions are coming later this summer than last. The district has taken action to increase supply. New wells have increased capacity by nearly 3 million litres per day. And water meters in the district are starting to have an effect on usage. But more needs to be done.
12: Five years ago, we had two projects on the go. And either one of them would have solved our problem. Well, now we've got five projects on the books. And it's going to take all five of those projects to fix.
14: The regional district had asked the provincial government to hold more water back behind the dam in Chapman Lake. Reduce the water in the creek. And then release it in the fall when the salmon return the salmon are already here and it's already too late the district has written letters to the provincial government requesting more action and while the tone of the response has been positive very little has been done to improve the situation we need answers now because we need to implement it early next year so that we keep the water in the in the in the lakes longer the district believes there is enough protection in place to avoid the local state of emergency the region saw last year, but long-term solutions seem a long way off. Residents forced to conserve water again. No one's sure how long it will last this time. Aaron McCarthy, Global News.
1: Well, shorter is definitely better when it comes to that. Let's get rain around here as quick as we can, but it's got to come gradually. That's the key for the next little while. Christy's got to look at our forecast now.
4: over numerous days which isn't great when you like the sunshine, I get it and we've got summer-like conditions on the way for the next little while. Now we don't officially transition into fall for another two weeks but I wanted to mention we are heading into fog season everyone so you may need to turn your headlights and taillights on in the mornings over the next little while. This is a nice shot from Ladner but we certainly will see that in the interior uh, as we head into tomorrow and through the weekend. So clear skies for the most part for our Saturday we're going to see this system drive on shore. This is later in the day Sunday, but it weakens as it does. So as it makes its way further inland, we'll see a bit of cloud cover, but we're not expecting much moisture, and that's what we need, as Chris was saying. Even there's another system off in the distance here for Tuesday that is going to do something similar, weaken as it makes its way across. So very little impact in terms of rainfall. It is going to be hot and sunny for your Saturday, everyone. Certainly feeling like summer. 28 degrees in Kamloops and Merritt, and we'll see a range in temperature from 21 to 28 across Metro... er, of vancouver island and for metro vancouver 21 to 27 degrees we are going to see uh, mostly dry conditions on sunday i've kept in a very slight chance of showers because as those fronts make their way across they may bring a sprinkle or two but nothing substantial that's for sure all right here's tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from Kelowna, where they had some blue blue sky although there is a air quality uh, statement in place now they've had a little bit more smoke in the area but
2: it's nice to see some blue sky in general there
1: is it ever. All right, thanks very much, Christy.
2: All right, Squire is here now, and talk about a proud dad moment, Squire. Mm-hmm. Proud dad, proud mom, proud mm-hmm. sister, proud family,
17: friends. Proud city, proud province. Everything. Yep. And one of the games, we're talking about Connor Medard and his family and friends and city, uh, one of the games he has circled on his calendar with the Blackhawks for his first season in the NHL is when Chicago visits Vancouver on January 22nd
3: just whenever you get to go home and be kind of our you know see your family and friends and you know if they get to watch and everything that would be uh that'd be great.
17: His family was there when he signed his contract with Chicago and tonight we'll hear from Connor and his dad. Uh.
1: Sounds good thanks very much choir also tonight satellite debris. Hold
14: on partner
1: that their pizza is big enough for the both of us. to imagine the weight of expectations on Connor bedard's shoulders these days
17: yeah i mean when you talk to him you don't get the sense that he's feeling it but mm. it's there i mean we haven't seen the kind of anticipation we're seeing for Connor bedard since that other Connor was drafted first overall in 2015 the north vancouver prodigy is already the toast of chicago and he's not even played a game yet for the blackhawks but despite that everybody not just in chicago but everybody around the hockey world is expecting Bedard to weave the same kind of magic he did in the Western Hockey League last year.
11: And with the first
9: overall selection in the 2023 NHL draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select. From the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League,
1: Connor Bedard.
9: It was just 10 weeks ago when the Blackhawks confirmed the obvious, selecting Connor Bedard with the number one overall pick. And now with just two weeks to go to training camp, Bedard will finally get to put that Chicago jersey on for real. It's been a whirlwind. He's crisscrossed the continent these last two months, getting ready for this moment.
3: After, like, camp and stuff, I was back home for a little bit, and then I was in Toronto for the month of August, training and whatnot, and then uh, Biosteel camp in Halifax and then back home, then to uh, Virginia for the rookie orientation, and now settled in Chicago. So uh, a bit of travel, but it's been fun.
9: He did spend a lot of time with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidel in Toronto. Apparently, superstars take care of each other, and young Connor got a close up look how two of the best in the world handle things.
3: People assume you know what they do, but when you actually see, you, know, you can understand why they're getting better every year. They're challenging each other so much, and um, you know every practice is 100 percent, and every workout and everything. So uh, the way they take care of themselves, it's uh, it's, it's pretty incredible, and um, you know something that you know of course I really look up to.
9: Now he's settling in Chicago. He's got his own apartment downtown close to the United Center. He just turned 18, but he is going to live on his own despite offers from veteran Nick Foligno to move in with his family. We thought it might be better if he had an apartment just so that we had somewhere to go to. And maybe Melanie will go down or I'll go down or, or sister Madison will go down if he wants us to or it's a good time to go down.
10: first overall draft pick in-
9: Chicago could really be his kind of town. He's already popular with the fans, but hasn't met all of the celebs quite yet. Has Vince Vaughn uh, contacted him yet? Not yet, no. No, he hasn't, actually. With the season fast approaching, Bedard's been careful not to assume he's got a spot on the Blackhawks. It seems ludicrous to us and the rest of the hockey world, but Connor has his reasons. He actually got cut once, underage Adam, to... uh, Instead of A1, he went to A2. And he was shocked, I think. And uh, maybe that's why he's always cautious with, you know, what's going to happen. Bedard's first NHL game is October 10th in Pittsburgh against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Crosby's always been the player Bedard has admired. And now, as an 18-year-old kid, could be taking his first pro face-off against 36-year-old Sid the Kid. So to have Connor face off against Sid to start the year, what are you thinking when you think of that?
16: Well, I don't know about if he'll win that draw or not.
9: <laughs> you know, of
3: course, if that happens. It would be, uh,
9: it would be great and something you dream of. Your, your dad figures you're not going to win that face off, or are you, you going to win that face off against Crossy?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would hope, of course, but um, you know, I think he he might be the favorite in that one, but uh, hopefully we'll see
17: great family okay so canada and serbia today semi-finals at the world cup of basketball nice block by kelly olenek but canada had a rough start in this game got into some foul trouble played a little tentatively because of that and serbia is an aggressive offensive team as you can see right here they were up 23 15 after one uh, nikola militanov with the slam dunk here after some nice passing it was 52 39 at halftime And you kind of got the sense Canada was not going to rally this time. Interestingly enough, everybody has been hoping for a Canada-USA game. We're going to get it, but in the bronze medal, not the gold medal. Because the Americans got upset by Germany. That's Shea Giltis alexander Didn't have a great game. 15 points today. He's been better in this tournament. Hopefully he'll be good in the bronze medal game. Bogdan Bogdanovic. Yep, Serbia is going to the final. Serbia and Germany for the gold. Canada-USA for the bronze. Canada's Gabriella Dabrowski at the uh, U.S. Open with Erin Routliff, her partner in doubles. Now, Routliff is actually born in New Zealand but raised in Ontario, so it's kind of an all-Canadian team. But they won their semi-final match today, so they're going to the finals. Dabrowski has won two Grand Slam mixed doubles, but she's never won a women's double in Grand Slam. So she has a chance at the U.S. Open. There you go.
1: We'll be cheering for it. Thank you.
2: Up next, you'll be craving pizza after satellite debris. Stick around. Let's start the weekend right. Mm
1: -hmm. Craving pizza already. (laughs) We'll get
17: to that in a sec. Yeah. But first, we're going to clone Taylor Swift. So a lot of her can do this commercial. (laughs)
13: Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, like two times miles on every purchase. The
4: noise cancelling. You're being too loud. Thank you.
13: Thank you. Good choice. My lucky number. Earn five times miles on flights, going up. And 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One travel. Plus, get access to over 1,300 airport lounges. And maybe see the one and only Taylor Swift. Capital One, what's in your wallet?
1: Legend has it that in the great storm of 1781, John Jameson lost a barrel of his beloved smooth whiskey. He said goodbye to the crew and went in after it. In hindsight, and probably wasn't a good idea. Weeks later, a funeral was held. All of Ireland was in attendance, including John Jameson and his smooth-tasting whiskey. Oh, the Irish. Okay. Can never count them out.
17: So now, the pizza commercial mm-hmm. for Red Baron Pizza. Here we go.
14: One Red Baron, fully loaded, hands on style. That their pizza's big enough
9: for
1: the both of us. Sure is. But this
14: town ain't.
1: Pete, really rude Rick learned that a punch in the face might be fun, but sharing a fully loaded red baron with friends is always tastier. Yeah, that's about all we have time for today.
12: Giddy up.
17: <laughs> a, put, a punch in the face might be fun. I beg to differ, <laughs> <laughs> it always brings people together. It really does. Yeah, a pe-
2: Great peacemaker.
17: Mm-hmm. I like how they had two hockey players fighting in that commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone who
1: looked like the ultimate warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken
17: it was it old school
1: mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You were. And Chuck Norris. Lookalike, maybe, maybe real. Who knows? Yeah.
17: <laughs> anyway, so this last one, I know that Sophie loves it when animals talk.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sing.
17: Okay. Well, then he's not going to sing. Okay. I'm going to assume it's a he but he will talk in this commercial.
10: Oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is?
0: It's hump day.
10: <laughs> Ronnie,
0: how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on
10: Wednesday. Day, get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we need to hire that guy.
17: That took them a long time to teach him that. <laughs> Those That's lines. That's hilarious.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Happening oh. every Wednesday.
1: It's true. We'll just
4: bring him in on Wednesdays.
1: <laughs> He'll do it. <laughs> uh, okay, heading into the weekend uh, and, and happy to do it. Christy, how's it looking?
4: I mean, we need the rainfall, that's for sure, but it's nice to have summer as we round out so the last two weeks of summer is certainly going to feel like that tomorrow. We'll see a little bit of cloud cover late Sunday. That slight chance of showers is really towards the end of the day, and as we talked about earlier, it really is only a slight chance of a sprinkle
2: at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh. I would have been that woman with the glasses saying, hump day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not wanting to admit it, Fine. Yeah. Yes, mine. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend.
2: Good night, all.